Well, I have to confess, uh, a moment ago, Pastor Mike asked us uh, if we have any tools uh, or any, uh, any toys during the Chris, uh, children's message, and uh, immediately I thought of this power tool that I got a couple of months ago and raised my hand. Uh, thank you for that. As we begin, uh, would you join me in a word of prayer? Lord, may the words of my mouth, may the thoughts and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, for just a moment, I want you to think about the last thing uh, that you were really excited to get. And uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here and guess so that you probably don't have to stretch your imagination uh, to think about the kind of things uh, that I'm talking about, because I'm, uh, I'm talking about the, the new car, or the, the recently released video game, or the, the kitchen gadget uh, that's going to make uh, meal prep a little bit uh, faster, or maybe a little bit more interesting. I'm talking about the, the first edition of your favorite book, or uh, the new couch that's going to fill that void in your living room, the new couch that when you sit down on it, it's not going to swallow you up. Uh, or I'm talking about the, the Nerf gun, the motorized Nerf gun with pump action and a, a flip-up sight. You see, these are the kind of things uh, that I'm talking about. And I'm going to live here and guess that you probably don't have to stretch your imagination uh, to think about what I'm talking about. Whatever that thing is, I want you to picture it in your mind. And, uh, and I want you to consider it as you, uh, as you hear the following observation. This is something that I, I heard this past week, and I'm curious if this thing that is true about me also happens to be true about you. Here's the observation. The happiest moments that we have with our stuff often come before we use it. The happiest moments that we have with the, with the brand new Lego set often come on Christmas morning when you're shaking the box and tearing the wrapping paper off of it. Uh, the happiest moments that you have with the brand new sports jersey often come uh, sitting at the computer trying to decide if you want the one with the standard team colors or the alternate team colors. Uh, or the happiest moments that we have with, uh, with the new laptop often come after it's ordered but before it's delivered. Uh, and the reason why this source suggests is because uh, once you open it up, you realize that you aren't any different than before you got it. The happiest moments that we have with our stuff often come before we use it. So that observation has been uh, rattling around my mind uh, this past week, and it's been rattling around my mind uh, not because it's new and novel, uh, I think deep down, a part of me always knew this. It's been rattling around my mind uh, because I genuinely struggle. And I'm willing to bet uh, that I'm not the only one uh, who feels that way. Because I have more than enough stuff, but I regularly think, believe, and act like I do not. And, uh, you know, when I looked at uh, the readings that were assigned for today, this is the thing that made me both a, a little bit nervous, but also a little bit hopeful. It made me nervous uh, because when you look at the, the parable that Jesus tells today, the parable of the rich fool, uh, it makes me nervous and uncomfortable because of how closely I identify with this man. But it also made me hopeful because I can think of no better place uh, to consider my stuff 
my money, my possessions, and in the context of God's word and the context of the community of faith, because God plants us here so that we can be honest, so that we can hear what God has to say, and what God has to say ultimately is good news for us, and so that as we struggle, as we struggle to follow him, we wouldn't have to do it alone. And so it's with, uh, with those thoughts in mind that I'd like to turn our attention to today's reading from Luke chapter 12. And as the scene opens, uh, as Pastor Mike mentioned, uh, Jesus is quite literally uh, teaching, preaching to thousands of people. And uh, in the midst of all of this, this man approaches Jesus seemingly out of nowhere and asks Jesus to settle this dispute between him and his brother. You see, apparently, uh, there has been this inheritance. His family has received money. And uh, this man comes to Jesus hoping that Jesus is going to go and tell his brother uh, to give him what's his. Now, as uh, as Jesus so often does, uh, he is not going to let this be an opportunity for him to get involved into the family dispute of this man and his brother, but he is going to use this as an opportunity uh, to teach us about our stuff, to teach us about our possessions, and to teach us about the kind of things that we value in this world. Life, Jesus says, life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. That's when he goes on to, uh, to tell us this parable. You heard it this morning. Uh, maybe you've heard it before. There's a man, a farmer, and really this man could be any one of us. And what we learn is that through some combination of this guy's efforts and really good fortune, he's had a really productive crop this year. And it presents him with a challenge, and it's the kind of challenge that's really fun to have, the challenge where you think, I don't have enough space to store all of my stuff. And so this man thinks about it uh, for a little while, and he decides that he's going to tear down his barns, build bigger ones, and then he says, I can take life easy. I can eat, I can drink, I can be merry. Now, of course, this is the wrong answer, or at least uh, Jesus very quickly goes on to tell us that this is the wrong answer. You fool. That's what God says to him. You fool. This night, your life is going to be demanded of you. Then, who is going to get what you have prepared? You know, as uh, as you hear this parable, you know, maybe it makes you wonder, why is this the wrong answer? Or even more than that, uh, what is specifically this man's mistake? What is specifically this man's sin? Because uh, he didn't do anything wrong to get his harvest. He didn't lie, he didn't cheat, he didn't steal. Uh, He didn't go uh, and rob someone else's barns to get his harvest. And and he kind of sounds like this man that we hear about in another one of Jesus' parable, who plants his seed in the ground and trusts and then it produces a crop of 30, 60, 100 fold. And you take that with the fact with uh, this man is trying to be responsible. I mean, he seems genuinely surprised uh, by what he has received. And, and he knows that the future isn't always going to be this way. And so he's taking some steps to make sure that he's ready for when that happens. When you take this all together, uh, maybe you find yourself wondering, you know, why is this the wrong answer? What is this man's mistake? What is this man's sin? And if if that's the case, I want to draw your attention to two things in particular uh, about the way in which this parable is told. And they're kind of things that uh, they may not be obvious at first, but, but once you see them, 
they're almost impossible to unsee. And the first of those things is the focus of this man's conversation uh, when he discovers the abundance of his harvest. I want you to listen again uh, to the way in which that conversation goes. Uh, The man says, uh, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. This is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all of my grain and my goods, and I will say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. And that's how it goes. I, I, my, I, I, my, I, my, my, and then I, myself. You see, when this guy thinks about his stuff, when he thinks about his harvest, that's exactly what it is. It is his harvest. And so there's no recognition uh, that it's a gift, uh, that everything he has, just like everything we have, uh, is a gift. It comes from God and that he is the one who provides it. And then there's this, this no sense of imagination, No sense that the gifts here are given, just like the gifts that we are given, are given with a purpose. And and that purpose isn't just to serve our own needs, which, you know, I would point out in today's reading, this man's own needs have been provided for. There's no sense of imagination that these gifts are provided with a purpose, and that purpose is to love and to serve one another. And so when you ask the question, you know, what is this man's sin or what is this man's mistake? His sin, his mistake is that he can't see beyond himself. He's fallen prey to this temptation. He's bought into this belief. He's become convinced that this, his world and our lives, they're about me, myself, and I. And here's the real tragedy. Uh, God's vision for this man And God's vision for people like you and me, it is far bigger and much greater than all of that. And yet this man is so fixated on his own life that he doesn't even get to see that. And so that brings us uh, to the, the second problem, the second mistake, the second sin that we find in today's parable. And, and it's not about this man's wealth. It's not about his money. It's not about his possessions. It's about what he believes that those things actually have the power to do in his life. You see, he believes that these things have the power to make him whole. He believes that these things have the power to secure his future. I will say to myself, you have plenty of good things. They're laid up for many years. You can eat, you can drink, you can be merry. I don't know about you, uh, but this is the part of today's parable that, uh, that makes me really uncomfortable. It's a part of today's parable that makes me really uncomfortable because I find myself regularly thinking something like this. I mean, I I regularly find myself thinking, if if I only had a little bit more money in the bank, or I regularly find myself thinking, if I only had that next battery-operated tool, or I regularly find myself thinking, if I I just had the window casings installed in our kitchen, and and maybe you know what I'm talking about. Maybe you've had a thought like this before. Maybe you've had this thought this morning. If I only had, and and then you fill in the blank, everything would be okay. You know, that's the case. Uh, This man's problem, uh, 
you know what it's like. You know how tempting it is to look at our stuff, our money, our possessions, and, and hope that maybe, just maybe, these things have the power to make us whole. Now, a little earlier in my sermon, I, uh, I made the following observation. The happiest moments uh, that many of us have with our stuff often come before we use them. In this observation, it comes from a PBS documentary that aired uh, more than 10 years ago. It's called The Persuaders, and it details the history of modern advertising. And as we explore the relationship that we have with our stuff, uh, I think it makes a really insightful observation. You see, the, the documentary, uh, it reports that in the early days of marketing, uh, uh, marketers, when they try to sell a product, they would point to a, a product's uh, reputation or its quality. And as time passed, uh, these advertisers, uh, they learned about other tactics, celebrity endorsements, uh, guarantees of satisfaction. Uh, but modern advertising, modern advertising, this uh, documentary shows us, is fundamentally different. You see, instead of focusing on a product, it focuses on you. It focuses on what's missing in your life. It focuses on how your life could be better. And the message goes something like this. Uh, Wear these shoes, drive this car, buy this phone, and you will get to be like the person in this commercial. And the reason it works, uh, the documentary suggests, is that many of us feel empty inside. I mean, we feel inadequate, incomplete, insufficient. And so when we buy these things, many of us are buying them, hoping that maybe, just maybe, these products will will fill in the gap, make us whole. And that's when the the documentary points out that there really is this gap, a gap between when we buy something and, and when we use it. And in that gap, we really are happy. And, uh, and the person being interviewed, he, he talks about the experience of his drive home from the Apple store. You know, you've, you've got a new phone in your pocket, but you haven't used it yet. And in that moment, you really are happy. Uh, but then you begin to use it, and you realize that you aren't any different than before you used it. And then all of this just serves the company that's selling the product well, because then they can just go on to, to sell you another product. And as I listened to what this interviewer had to say, it it struck me that modern advertising gets something really well. You see, modern advertising understands the human condition. It understands that we really are inadequate, incomplete, and insufficient. The problem is, it just offers the wrong solution. If the Apostle Paul were around today and he were to point to modern advertising, I think he would just look at it and say, Sure, that's just a false gospel. I mean, I mean, it promises that this stuff, our possessions, our money, can really overcome the human condition. And what we remember here in this place is that only Jesus has the power to do that. You see, we really are broken people living in a broken world, but the solution isn't something we do, it isn't something we get, it's something that God has already done. You see, in your baptism, Jesus looks at you and he says, you are adequate, you are complete, you are sufficient, you are my dearly loved child, and there is nothing that I won't do for you. 
And then when Jesus dies on a cross and rises again, he secures our future in the kind of way that, that no other thing can. And during his life and his ministry, Jesus says, in this world, you're going to have trouble. That's a given. But take heart, have courage, for I have overcome the world. You see, modern advertising understands the human condition very well. It just doesn't offer us the right solution. Now, some 350 years ago, uh, Blaise Pascal, a French philosopher, uh, he wrote about the human condition, and and he wrote about it this way. He said, there is a a God-shaped hole in the heart of every person, a God-shaped hole which cannot be satisfied by anything created. It can only be satisfied by God the Creator made known through Jesus Christ. You see, there really is a God-shaped hole in all of our hearts, and the good news that we celebrate today, every time we gather, is that Jesus is the one who fills it. I mean, he is the one who gives our lives meaning and purpose. He is the one who tells us who we really are. He is the one who secures our future, and that really does change the way in which we relate to our stuff. Because in one sense, our stuff is just that. Our stuff is stuff. I mean, a new phone, a new car, a new computer, it's not going to make us whole. But you see, in another sense, our stuff is more than stuff. Because our stuff is a gift. Our stuff is a blessing. Our stuff is a reminder. You know, whatever that thing was that you thought about uh, at the beginning of my sermon, I want you to think of it. Because that thing, whatever it is, it is a gift from God. It is a blessing. It's a reminder that the one who made you continues to provide for you. The one who made you makes you whole. And he loves you, and he cares for you, and he's involved in your life each and every day. May God give you the courage to believe that. In Jesus' name, amen.